Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 36 of The Informed Catholic of this year of 2021. So uh, if you like what I do and uh, you think I'm doing a good job, please subscribe and share. You can also go to my Facebook account, uh, The Informed Catholic, and uh, it would be great if you join up and... Maybe you can also give some requests of what you would like me to do, uh, especially for Lent. Um, I'm going to mention afterward um, suggestions. Hopefully um, you guys can um, pick out what you think we can do for Lent. So anyway, um, let's begin with uh, an act of contrition. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father, Amen. Okay, so we continue with our readings of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews. Also, I want to say this is January 29th, and it's my dear mother's birthday. She's 70 years old. And, um, you know, please pray for her. Um, I'm really happy that I have my mom and um she's in good health and uh, well it's been tough on her this whole year so i love her very much i love you my mother my dear sweet mom <laughs> actually these days i feel like i'm more the parent and she's the kid <laughs> anyway so let's begin uh hebrews chapter 10 verse 32 to 39 do not throw away your confidence. It will have great reward. Reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Remember the days past when, after you have been enlightened, you endured a great contest of suffering, 
At times, you were publicly exposed to abuse and affliction. At other times, you associated yourselves with those so treated. You even joined in the sufferings of those in prison and joyfully accepted the, conf the confiscation of your property, knowing that you had a better and lasting possession. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. It will have great recompense. You need endurance to do the will of God and receive what he had promised. For after just a brief moment, he who is to come shall come, and um, he shall not delay. But my just one shall live by faith, and if he draws back, I take no pleasure in him. We are not among those who draw back and perish, but among those who have faith and will possess life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One more time. Remember the days past when after you have been enlightened, you endured a great contest of suffering. At times, you were publicly exposed to abuse and affliction. At other times, you associated yourselves with those so treated. You even joined in the sufferings of those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property, knowing that you had a better and a lasting possession. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. It will have great recompense. You need endurance to do the will of God and receive what he has promised. For after just a brief moment, he who is to come shall come. He shall not delay, but my just one shall live by faith. My just one shall live by faith. And if he draws back, I take no pleasure in him. We are not among those who draw back and perish, but among those who have the faith and will possess life. Okay, one more time. Remember the days past when after you had been enlightened, you endured a great contest of suffering. At times you were publicly exposed to abuse and affliction. At other times you associated yourselves with those so treated. You even joined in the sufferings of those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property, knowing that you had a better and a lasting possession. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. It will, it will have great recompense. You need endurance to do the will of God and receive what he has promised. For after just a brief moment, he who is to come shall come. He shall not delay, but my just one shall live by faith. And if he draws back, I take no pleasure in him. We are not among those who draw back and perish, but among those who have faith and will possess life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Once more. Happy birthday to my mom. Mary, that's Mary with an I. All right, so, <clears throat> so uh, what do we have here? What is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to us through the letter of the Hebrews? Well, remember the days past when, after you have been enlightened, 
you endured a great contest of suffering. Okay, we'll stop there, period. Enlightened, meaning when they have come into faith in Christ, who is the light, when they have found, they've come into faith into Jesus, the Messiah, God's anointed one, or in Hebrews, Yahshua. They, they came into faith and enlightened by the Holy Spirit. They saw the truth, who Jesus is, that he was the high priest, that he was the promised one, that he was the savior of the world, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the anointed one of God, the high priest, the king the prophet, the sacrifice. And because of that, because they found faith in him, he says here, you endured a great contest of suffering. They endured persecution, ridicule. They were cut off from their families. They were disinherited. They were, <clears throat> they were um, people, I'm sure people, their family members refused to cut. They were dead. They were dead to their families. They, their families refused to acknowledge them. And so they were socially and probably economically uh, cut off. That happens. That does happen. Remember what our Lord said. I did not come to bring peace. I did not come to bring peace in the world, but a sword. I've known people who actually took that verse out of context and try to use it to point to Christians persecuting and and um, sort of like for the Inquisition and the Crusades. People have done that, and people and they don't they don't bother to read the whole thing. You know, they take that verse and they run with it. I have come to make, fa you know, to to turn family against family, fathers against sons, sons against fathers, and and you know, uh, you know, fathers against their children, husbands and wives against each other, mother against their own children. A man's own enemy will be his own family, his own household. I mean this. That doesn't sound like a national war. It doesn't sound like um, like Jesus wants to make war against the whole world. No, he's talking about the war of faith. And the sword is the word of God. It's his word. We go into the book of Revelation. One like the son of man or the lamb of God slain. And out of him, out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword and it and we've there's passages the word of god is like a sword a two-edged sword that cuts deep into the soul and marrow i think the hebrews quotes that in later on in the passage that's what the word of god does that's what the truth people they always 
want to find something against Christianity. Yes, there have been bad Christians. Why should we not expect that there'll be bad Christians? Oh, for crying out loud, look at the politicians. Look at the Catholic politicians we have. Look at the president we have. Look at the speaker of the house we have. Look at them who support abortion. Look at the priests and bishops we have. I think in many cases, they're probably a lot worse than the people within the Inquisition. The people in the Inquisition, they, you know, who, if there's anybody who did this, even Protestants who persecuted other Protestants and Catholics, they've been misguided. I think one who deliberately misrepresents the truth and deliberately abuses the word of God, deliberately ignores the word of God and receives Holy Communion is, I think, a lot more evil. Cause of scandal going on. At times you were publicly exposed to abuse and affliction. Okay, we just went through that. At other times you associated yourselves with those who were who, who, those so treated. You know, there's a lot we haven't. We we're very comfortable here in America. We haven't really endured this. I mean. Not at the levels of of martyrdom. Not, not at the levels of martyrdom. We haven't. No, we haven't done that. We haven't gone to that point yet. Not, but it may be that we have to. Because we're we're living at a time where it's really serious the apostasy the level of evil as penance for for the especially for the for the sexual abuse by our priests and bishops the sins that they've committed we're going to have to we have to atone for it the level of, of abuse and decadence that these men have made and, and the shame, the dishonor that they have given to our Lord. I've been thinking a lot about that and I've been thinking about what Thomas um, <clears throat> Beckett said about the honor of God. What about the honor of our Lord? Dr. Taylor Marshall said in his podcast, he believes that John F. Kennedy was advised by bishops and priests to say the things he said about 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 a president who's catholic not advised by his pope or told by his bishop what to do that he thinks this was deliberately he was advised by priests and bishops and that's how we wound up where we where we did. That's how we wound up about abortion. How we wound up with judges 
who Catholic judges who who agree to Roe versus Wade. And now they're silent. A lot of them delib- deliberately do not say anything about abortion. Taylor Marshall mentioned he went to Italy for pro-life. And he, he only remembers one bishop. None of the Catholic bishops, cardinals showed up because they don't care. Once it's law, they, they wash their hands off of it. There's only, I think, I think Bishop Barron has an opportunity actually of really stepping forward. I think we may, there's hope for him. I do believe there's hope for him. Because I think he really does see the contradiction. I think he he's he's well aware. I think sensitive to the um, lay people. A lot of these other men, like Walton Gregory, uh, Cardinal Whirl, uh, Supich, uh, Tobin, and others, they don't care about the clergy. They don't, I mean, they don't care, I'm sorry, clergy, they don't care about the lay people. They don't care what lay people think or what, or the scandal that they give to them. So, but I do believe we're getting to that point one day where there will be serious persecution. Um, the cancel culture is real. Um, it's going to, I think it's going to get to that point. I just don't understand why they just don't leave the church. If they want to hold on to abortion, they want to hold on to, they want to support that. They believe in gay marriage. They believe in transgenderism. Why do they remain in the church? The answer, I think, is probably stupid. It's probably very simple. Because it's more beneficial. It's more beneficial politically. It's politically. It, it's it's uh, it gives them a political advantage. But then, do they have a very twisted, corrupt view of the faith? Most likely, they do. Pelosi, you know, I think does. Okay, let's continue. Um, yeah, we're gonna have to. I think. We have to support those who go who suffer. You have joined your suffering with those in prison and joyfully accepted their confiscate um, accepted the confiscation. We may have to lose a lot. It's going to cost us financially. Our jobs, our um, property, it's going to cost us. But knowing, he says here, knowing that you have a better and lasting possession. Remember what our Lord said, those who give up family, property, home will 10 times have better rewards in heaven. And the only way we could really know this, we have to pray and we have to read the scriptures and we have to embrace everything that Jesus says in scriptures as, as real. We have to believe the promises of, of paradise, of eternal life, of a, of a world that's going to come better than this one. 
I mean, I mean, don't you want Jesus to smile at you? Don't you want when we stand there one day and you really make it all worth it? Everything that we endure, worth it. Everything that we suffer, everything that we we go through has to be worth it. Everything. I mean, every moment, we only get one chance in this life. I want I want to go to heaven and I want I want as many people to go to heaven I want I want my brother to be baptized I want my mother to be saved I even want my uncle that did the crazy thing he did I want him to go to heaven I want the best thing you could wish for anyone is salvation. I want Joe Biden to repent. I want Nancy Pelosi, Looney Pelosi to repent. You know, I mean, these people, I mean, it's true what Mother Angelica said. It's hard to pray for someone. You sometimes imagine slipping on a banana peel. But, you know, to wish your enemy evil is not good but to wish your enemy good and the best good is salvation. It's hard, but it's true. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. It will have a great recompense. Yeah, that's another thing. It looks bad. It will, it will feel bad. But imagine those saints before us, people like John the Baptist, who were imprisoned and kept in the most disgusting uh, prison cells. Imagine Thomas More arrested and placed in the Tower of London by Henry VIII. Imagine, imagine poor old John, um, John, Bishop, Bishop John Fisher, who became cardinal but never had the honor of... Um, of at least um, embracing that title, at least for one day or a week, and he was beheaded. Imagine all those poor Christians in the north of England, and when Henry the Catholics, who were put to death, women and children hanging from the tree and scaffolds. Imagine uh, all those Christians in the catacombs, what they had to endure. But they, you know, they had to endure it. But they would, they would receive eternal life and they would receive justice. The enemies, the enemies of Christ will not escape justice. No matter how many thousand years go by, they will have to face judgment. So we can't lose our confidence. When things get worse, we have to believe even more. And we have to like, Build our confidence in Christ more. Christ is our confidence. Christ is our reward. Okay, and 
and we receive, we have a better promise. This part here, for after just a brief moment, he who was to, who was to come shall come. He shall not delay, but my just one shall, shall live by faith. And if he draws back, I take no pleasure in him. This is from Isaiah um, chapter 26, I believe. Isaiah. We are not among those who draw back and perish, but among those who have faith and will possess life. Yeah, so everything, the the letter of Hebrews starts getting very, very deep because we got to remember this was probably because of the persecution that the Jewish Christians, the Hebrew Christians were receiving from the non-Jewish Christians. The temple turned on them because they heard what was happening in Rome after the fires of Rome. Nero, um, whether the fires were started by him, we don't know, or was it started by an accident, we don't know. Um, but the fires started. Um, Paul, Paul the Apostle, never really got to trial um he remember he was taken to rome and he wanted to he appealed to caesar but his argument was something that nero would never have paid attention to because it was not a capital punishment there was no capital crime committed so most likely he was under house arrest and was let go because after some point it's pointless for um for caesar to want to hear you you know, Nero was not the kind of person that cared. But some scholars, I mean, there's different arguments about what kind of Nero he was. Well, was, was he pretty crazy? But Paul was let go, and most likely he went to Spain. He went to the other parts of the empire to see where there were Jews and set up churches. Most likely he could have gone up to the borders of France, Brittany, because there were Jewish colonies around the area. By the time he got back to Rome, um, it was a very different Nero. Um, probably his psychological breakdown was worse. There was already Christians in Rome long before Peter and Paul got there. If you remember the book of Acts, um, Timothy's parents his mother and father, Timothy, was half Jewish. One of his parents was Jewish. Claudius um, took over after Caligula. And Claudius' friend was Antipater. Uh, he was a friend of Claudius, but Antipater was also Caligula's um, possible lover. They were gay partners. And, um, anyway, that Antipater, he was the one who got, who you, you hear about in the book of Acts under governor Felix and Antipater was the one who took the position of Herod Antip Ant Antipas. Um, and Antipater was the one you hear in the book of Acts that put on a golden robe, a beautiful, uh, shimmering robe. And he, people called him a god. And anyway, he got shot by an arrow and he died of worms. 
um, he sort of started a small Jewish revolt. I guess maybe he wanted to reconnect to his Jewish roots, but he was a terrible Jew anyway, um, due to the fact of his sinful his sinful past. Anyway, this caused um, this caused a lot of political riots. There was again a an uprising in both Judea and it also in the Jewish quarters in Rome. There's, that's the reason why I'm mentioning Antipater, because he was close friends with Claudius. Claudius was the emperor who had a um, a stuttering problem, a limp. Um, he wasn't, um, you know, he had a handy uh, physical uh, problems, and uh, in the Jewish quarter, a fight broke out with with the with the um, the Jewish community. And uh, Luke makes mention that it was over. Uh, it started off in a, in a certain part of the Jewish quarter over the name of someone called Christos. That would be it's it's referring to, to Jesus Christ. Anyway, because of Antipater's betrayal, um, Claudius got very pretty angry. He kicked all the Jews out from Rome. So um, Timothy's uh, parents were the result of that. They had to go. They went to uh, the Greek Greek lands, and along the way, they met Paul the apostle. So I'm, I'm mentioning this because I'm trying to give you the idea of what's going on in the letter to the Hebrews. So that was earlier, anyway. So at this point. After Claudius, Nero took over. Nero was possibly Caligula's son due to Nero's mother being a rather loose woman. She married Claudius, but Claudius never believed that Nero was his son. Um, so he inherited Caligula's madness. This is... This is what in the history, basically, that went, that went on. Um, so, uh, like I said, Nero never bothered to hear Paul's um, case. Nor would he care to. He wouldn't have bothered with a Jew, especially a Jewish Christian. And he probably, you know, was not a didn't care much. But anyway, the fires broke out. Paul came back to a very different Nero. Nero remembered Claudius expelling a certain sect of Jews called Christians. Now, he wouldn't have picked on non-Jewish Christians because the Jewish Christ, uh, the, the non, the, the, that is the Traditional Jews, they were good at paying up every year. They paid a pretty good uh, sum of money, especially in Rome. They collected money. All the all the merchants, they put him in, a, in an account, and they gave him to Caesar, so Caesar would leave him alone, especially along with the money that came from Jerusalem. But the but the sect called Christians was different. And that was his scapegoat from public opinions uh, about the fire. 
So he used them and blamed them. So persecution began in Rome. Guess what? That was the green light for the temple in Jerusalem to get rid of Christians in Jerusalem. And so uh, persecution began. That also was possibly during that those those years, the death of James, uh, the cousin of the Lord. He was Bishop of Jerusalem for the Jerusalem church. He was killed. Uh, I believe he was persecuted by Caiaphas II and some other, they, they killed him. Later on, he was replaced by another cousin of Jesus, Simon Kilopis. He became the next bishop of, of uh, Jerusalem. Anyway, this didn't go too well for it, for, for the Christians in Rome or the Christians in Jerusalem. Um, things got pretty bad. And then, of course, in a couple of years, AD 70 happened. And that was going to be the destruction of the temple. So this letter possibly happened around the time of the destruction of the temple. That's possibly because um, it's it was a tragic time for all the uh, the Christians, uh, for the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. It made them wonder, you know, what what's going to happen now after the temple is gone. So, you know, it and uh, it it most likely either happened. The letter was written before or after because the letter comes from Italy and it most likely had to come from Paul because he mentions Timothy's name. So we have to assume it's Paul. It doesn't mention the author's name and probably for good reasons because they do just in case it got intercepted by the temple. Anyway, so let's move on to the... Um, to the Psalms, Psalm 37 coming up. All right. Uh, Psalm 37, the salvation of the just comes from the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good that you may dwell in the land and be fed in, in security. Take delight in the Lord and he will grant you your heart's requests. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. Commit to the Lord your way, trust in him, and he will act. He will make justice dawn for you like the light. Bright as the noonday shall be your vindication. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. But the Lord, by the Lord, are the steps of a man made firm. And he approves his way. Though he fell... Though he fell, he fall, he does not lay prostrate, for the hands of the Lord sustains him. So salvation of the just comes from the Lord. The salvation of the just is from the Lord. He is 
their refuge in time of distress. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them, he delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. The salvation of the just comes from the Lord. Okay, it's a very beautiful psalm, right? They're all beautiful. All the psalms are beautiful. Trust in the Lord and do good, that you may dwell in the land and be fed in security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will grant you your heart's requests. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in him and do good. In other words, don't give up, regardless how corrupt and bad people are around you. Don't become like them. Trust in the Lord and, and be confident. Do good that you may dwell in the land and be fed in security. Well, it could, obviously, it can mean the literal, that you will have good crops, um, a healthy, a healthy um, season, um, a healthy harvest, but also it could also refer to the word of God, and the Eucharist for a Christian. Okay? You'll receive the graces need for security to stand up against temptation. Take delight in the Lord, and he will grant you your heart's requests. Take delight in him. Okay? In, in, you know, dwell in the land and be fed in security. Trust in the Lord and do good. and Take delight in the Lord. And he will grant you your heart's requests. Where, where your treasure is, where your heart is, there may be your treasure. You know, I know I probably botched it, but where your treasure is, there may be your heart, your heart's desire. But our heart's desire should want to be with God. Should want to be, should be the honor of God. Should be the, the love of God. And also that others may know the love of God. Our family members, our friends, our enemies may know the love of God. Okay, we'll continue. Commit the Lord your way. Trust in him and he will act. Commit to the Lord your way. Your will. Trust in him and he will act. Don't be afraid, no matter how bad things get. Trust in him, surrender to him. He will make justice dawn for you like the light. Bright as the noonday shall be your vindication. No matter how bad things get, no matter how bad our enemies, how strong our enemies get, no matter how vicious they get, no, don't give up. Okay, for by the Lord are the steps of a man made firm, and he approves his ways. Though he fall, he does not lie prostrate, for the land for the hand of the Lord sustains him. <clears throat> I guess we know we've all heard. Let all crooked ways be made straight, let every high valley be made low. Um You know, 
straight and narrow is the way to heaven, but few make it. Wide is the way that leads to hell and destruction. <laughs> you know, it's, it's obvious, right? But God will sustain us. God will watch our steps, meaning that we don't fall. We, we're not tricked by heresy. We're not tricked by temptation. We're not, we're not, we're not, um, we don't fall to for any of that. The salvation of the just is from the Lord. He is their refuge in time of distress. And the Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. False teachers, false, you know, false shepherds, people who will, <clears throat> I mean, you send your kids to these colleges, universities, and they lose their faith. But that's the hardest thing because usually heretical bad things always seem like trends. A heresy never really goes away. A bad, a temptation never goes away. It just takes on a different form. And that's something that's very hard for, uh, for a lot of people to accept. Okay. So <clears throat> let's go now to the gospel. All right. Okay. Alleluia, alleluia. Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have revealed to the little ones the mysteries of the kingdom. Alleluia, alleluia. Mark, Saint Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 26 to 34. A man scatters seed on the land and, and, and would sleep, and the seed would sprout and grow, and he knows not how. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus said to the crowd, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Of its own accord, the land yields its fruit. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wields the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. He said, What shall we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, that when it is sown in the ground, it is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. But once it's sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without a parable, he did not speak to them, but to his own disciples, he explained everything in private. Gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. Jesus said to the crowds, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. 
He know not he knows not how. Of its own accord the land yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, and when the grain is ripe he wields the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. He said, To what shall we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed that when it is sown in the ground, it is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes like the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to understand it. Without parable he did not speak to them, but to his own disciples he explained everything in private. Okay. So, Jesus, um, the last time we did about the, the sower and, you know, seeds fall to the wayside and birds come and take it away and some seed fall among the rocks and you know uh, the heat of the sun scorches it other seeds fall among thorns and it chokes it and then the seed falls on good soil well Jesus is continuing using kind of like the similar examples basically this is how the kingdom of God this is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would and would sleep, rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Okay, so the seed he planted, a farmer, he plants it and it eventually grows after nights and couple of nights and days. And, of course, of its own accord, the land yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grown in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wields a sickle at once, for the harvest has come. He said, to what, shall we, to what shall we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable can we use for it? It is the, it's like a mustard seed. Then he goes on with the mustard seed, which is a very small seed. I'm not a farmer, so... Um, I guess it's the I guess the only way I can see spicy seed or a seed in a mustard is that gourmet mustard that I guess my mom has in the house but it's tiny it looks tiny I've looked at it but I've never planted so I've never done any farming I mean I remember my grandfather and everyone doing it but I've never watched them plant it but it is um, I remember the harvesting. I remember that. Um, you know, I've seen my grandmother plant tomatoes and vegetables. I've seen grapes being plucked. But it's obvious when you look at it, I mean, it's a lot of work. And a farmer has to have a lot of patience. And they're always checking up on the crops to see if it's good. Um, it's, it's a lot of work, but I guess Jesus is using all the symbolism that people in his culture understand. And 
The harvest is like the day of judgment when the Lord sends out the angels to to get all the people who have received the word. And the gospel is like the uh, is the seed and we're the fruit and we have to our faith and everything. And in one day, Jesus is going to come and collect. So the scary part is for those who become clergy, for those who, who, who decide to become his priests and they didn't do the work and not only them, but us as well. I mean, whenever we, we have to live out our, we have to live out our faith. We have to live it out exactly what God wants, which is share the gospel, live out the gospel. It's a lot of, you know, it's a lot in here. It's a lot basically to think about. You know, he talks, I mean, here, he yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wields his sickle at once for the harvest has come. So there has to be maturity. It had, and there has to be maturity in the gospel. There has to be maturity in the faith. And he says, when it's finally ripe, when it finally is ready to be harvested, it's, you know, when will that be? That's kind of scary. And he talks about how the birds, the air, this is interesting. It continues here. Um, the small a mustard is smallest of all the seeds on the earth, but once it's sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and it puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. Birds of the sky. I mean, like I said, I'm not a farmer, so I, it's something interesting, but here, I guess the birds of the sky I guess it's reference to believers. It's reference to the church coming and making its home. You know, and um, he goes with many with large branches, large branches. I guess different community of Christians, different different people who make their home. The birds in the sky can dwell in its shade. So that the scourging sun doesn't hurt us. So all the birds and everything and the branches, different Christian communities around the world, different branches of the church, different orders, and all of us find shade, shade and protection in the church. And he taught and he taught this in many in in many places in many such parables and his oh, he only explained it to his disciples well that's something so all right so um what um exactly should we do for lent we have a long way we still have time should i read the day christ died Right. Last year, I tried reading Thomas More's um, The Sorrow of Christ. Uh, it didn't work out as well as I liked it because it was the first time I was, I was going to read something to people. Um, 
I want to read something. I want to share something with everybody for Lent. I thought about either Christ the Lord by Fulton Sheen or the day Christ uh, died. Or how about uh, the imitation of Christ by uh, Thomas Akempis? So um, maybe if you guys can go to the Facebook page and uh, make a suggestion. Uh, I'll try to make posts if it's possible for everyone to sh- uh, to sort of like vote on what they want. It would be nice if uh, people would choose or else um, if not, I know it's uh, difficult, but I mean, it would be nice if people can make it, make a request. What you want, what would you, what would you like me to do for Lent? So we'll see. Okay. So anyway, well, let's end it here with our father. Okay. In the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God bless.